Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen, and he is risen indeed. And not only is Jesus risen, but we, as his people, are risen in him. Happy Easter. Uh, we praise God today for this special uh, Sunday in which we have a, a, a very focused uh, reflection upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only his resurrection within history, but his resurrection for us as his people. As we get started this evening, I do want to say a special thank you uh, to Lori and Jeff Chasteen uh, and Clay Ramsey for their uh, uh, tireless efforts this week as we have been looking into uh, different uh, forms of technology uh, to see if we could find a way to add music to our service, and we believe we have uh, figured out how to do so. I also want to thank those uh, who were willing to sing for Jeff. So what Jeff did was record some, uh, a tr uh, some music um, as a digital file and then emailed it to some of our singers, and then our singers literally just sang into the phone and uh, Jeff was able to take those different recordings and put them all together. So we do have a couple of songs this evening, and I just want to say a, a special thank you uh, to everyone who has helped to get this started for us tonight. Well, as we begin this evening, we are going to begin with Psalm 16. It is a psalm uh, in which we, we see the hope of resurrection uh, and so give your reverent attention this evening to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom I is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Beloved, this is the hope we have as God's people this evening. And so as we begin this service, let us take a few moments and let's reflect on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the joy that it provides us as God's people, the hope that it secures for us God, for as God's people, as we indeed are those 
who have been raised with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places at the right hand of God, where, as Psalm 16 tells us, there are pleasures forevermore. This evening we will begin uh, with the song, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. soar where our Christ has gone before us as we go to him in prayer. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are the God of life, and we praise you for the miracle of Easter. We give you thanks for the hope we have in Jesus, who died but is risen and rules over all. We praise you for his presence with us. Because he lives, we now share in his eternal life, knowing that nothing past, present, or yet to come can separate us from your great love. We pray for, your, uh, for great uh, joy for ourselves this evening, O oh God, and for all who come uh, and worship with us this evening in celebration of Jesus' resurrection. 
We pray especially for those whose lives are filled with pain, loss, and deep sadness. May they sense how the resurrection is a source of great hope. And so God of all glory, fill your church this evening with the power that flows from Christ's resurrection so that in the midst of the sinful world, it may signal the beginning of a renewed humanity, risen to new life with Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, as we uh, continue to worship this evening, we come to our Old Testament reading, which is coming to us from Isaiah 53. Now, I read portions of Isaiah 53 for the Good Friday service on Friday. I'm going to reread some of that and then also finish uh, this chapter as it leads us from death to resurrection. Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt... He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many, and he makes intercession for the transgressors. Beloved, this is a, a beautiful text that puts before us this plan of God to provide righteousness for his people to provide what his people on their own could not achieve for themselves. And so there was one promised that would come where he himself would be righteous, he would be without sin, 
And yet, he would suffer and die in the place of sinners. And yet the salvation that the Lord is providing through this one is is not accomplished simply by death, but we are told that following the death, there is an ongoing ministry for this servant. And that ongoing ministry is to grant righteousness to his people. His ongoing ministry is to give his people an eternal inheritance in the land of the living, which he has brought about because of his resurrection. Now we don't have to, we're not left to ourselves to guess and to speculate whether or not this is talking about Jesus Christ. Because as our New Testament reading tells us this this evening in Acts chapter 2, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment even as we see a portion of Psalm 53 being cited here uh, by Luke in this account in Acts 2 verses 22 to 36. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to let uh, an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, or as Psalm 16 said, Sheol, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus Christ, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Beloved, this is a wonderful comfort to us as God's people. That God made promises and God has fulfilled these promises perfectly in Jesus Christ through his incarnation, through his suffering, through his crucifixion, and yes, 
through his resurrection from the dead. This evening, as we reflect upon this hope that the gospel of Christ's death and resurrection gives us, it moves us to be able to look at ourselves honestly, to be able to champion just what an amazing Savior we have in Jesus. Because we all, like sheep, have sinned and gone astray, and yet he has found us and brought us home. So this evening, let us take a few moments and spend some time in personal confession of sin, and then we will confess our sins together in a few minutes. Let the comfort and the hope of Christ's resurrection lead you to be honest with him about your ongoing need because of your sin. Let us pray. confess our sins as a congregation this evening as I pray for us. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you have shattered the power of sin and death. And yet we confess to you this evening, Lord, how often we place ourselves back under its power and control. How often when we are left to ourselves and as we look around us in this life and we allow the circumstances of this life to determine our identity and our calling, Lord, it is so easy for us to fall back and to become captive to doubt and to fear, to become captive to our flesh and for forgetting of who you have made us to be and the mission you have given us to share in. We confess this evening that so often we become captive once again to the things of death. And that leads us, O oh Heavenly Father, to be selfish in the way that we live, where we overlook those who are in need around us, overlooking the poor and the hungry, passing by those who mourn, being deaf to their, to their cries and to their tears. So often forgetting, Lord, about those who truly suffer and being indifferent to calls for peace. Lord, it is easy for us to despise the weak because of thinking that you have called us to be self-sustaining people when instead you have made us a communion of faith. And so forgive us, O God of mercy, this evening and help us to see ourselves in the risen Christ that as you raised him from the dead 
and forever changed the world because of it, that we would trust your power to change even our lives and to make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant that is given in Jesus Christ and found at the right hand of our risen Lord. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, our gospel reading this evening comes to us from John chapter 3. Nicodemus said to him, speaking to Jesus, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Beloved, Jesus tells us, that we need something more than just being born into this world, and we need something more than just have experiencing an earthly cleaning or an earthly cleansing. What we need, beloved, because we have fallen in our first parents, Adam and Eve, is that we need something beyond the first birth. We need a second birth. We need something beyond being born of this world. We need to be born of the world to come. And this is what Jesus has done for us. He has suffered, he has died, and he has been raised from the dead in order that as he was brought from death into life and experienced the new birth out of death, we also beloved in him. We are born from above. We are born again. And so hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be assured in your salvation this evening as our assurance of pardon comes from John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Beloved, this is God's will for you as his people. And this is the love that he has set upon you, even when you were dead in your sins and trespasses, even when you hated him and you acted like one of his enemies. He loved you by giving you his son, and his son has loved you by giving up his life and taking it back up again. So that, beloved, here once again this evening, though we still wrestle and struggle with sin, we do so as those who have experienced the new birth in Jesus Christ, as those who are perfectly loved by our triune God. And so know once again that your sins are forgiven, you are counted righteous in Jesus Christ, Death has no claim on you, for you are one who in Christ has inherited 
eternal life. Beloved, that is the good news. And this is what Jesus has secured for us as his people through his death and resurrection. Well, this evening, um, we are going to take a few moments and we are going to spend some time looking at one of the many implications uh, that belong to us or the implications that come from the gospel, a very powerful reality that belongs to us as God's people who by faith are in Christ. Our reading this, our epistle reading this evening, uh, which is uh, the text for our homily tonight, uh, is from 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I have titled the homily this evening, Born Again to a Living Hope. Give your reverent attention to God's word tonight. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Beloved, let's take a moment and pray and ask God to bless uh, his word to us tonight. Our Heavenly Father, you have given us these words to encourage us in the faith that has once for all been delivered to the saints, a faith that turns on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so we praise you, Lord, not only for the work of Jesus, we praise you that you caused that work to be written down and documented and passed through the ages so that we could read that word and that your spirit through that word could give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And so once again this evening, Lord, even as you have called us to faith through the Spirit and your word, continue to confirm us and mature us in that faith as your Spirit makes your word effectual this evening. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This is a tremendous blessing for us right now, especially, beloved, as the words of hope that come to us from this epistle reading tonight comes to us from the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, as 
you all know, was one who was very close to Jesus Christ. He was one that quite often is thought of as the leader of the disciples. He was one that was brash, and he was one that was passionate. He was one that made bold claims and and quite often even at least attempted to back them up. Even one night, getting out of a boat, and because of looking upon the face of Jesus Christ, at least taking a couple of steps on water, until he became distracted. And when he became distracted, he sank into the water. What a way to foreshadow what would happen with Peter as the events of the betrayal uh, and the trial of Jesus unfolded for us in the Gospels. Peter was one who at the Lord's Supper, when Jesus said that he was going to be betrayed, he said, I will never betray you. And yet we know that evening he betrayed the Lord Jesus three different times. He was shaken in his faith. He allowed his eyes to be taken off of his Savior. And just as he sank in those waters He sank in his faith. He didn't lose his faith, but he certainly became discouraged and one might say even depressed. And yet, it is from one who not only betrayed his Savior, but looked his Savior in the face after that third betrayal, who can give us these words tonight, that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Peter and you and I have been born again to a living hope. If there was one that you might say above all others who may have struggled with uh, just absolute hopelessness, it would be this one who betrayed his Savior And yet the one who would be tempted towards hopelessness once he came to embrace the fullness of what the resurrection meant, he came to understand the immeasurable and eternal hope that Jesus Christ's resurrection gives to those who struggle with sin and with death. Beloved, we live in a time right now that is full of uncertainty. We live at a time right now in which we find ourselves surrounded by an unknown disease that is wreaking economic havoc. It it is wreaking um, physical havoc as people are getting sick and as they are dying. It is wreaking emotional havoc as there are people who are watching their loved ones get sick and die. It is wreaking psychological havoc. As the best tool that we have right now from what we believe is social distancing, yet further complicates the loneliness that so many people live with when things are normal. We live in very uncertain times. We also live in times where we as God's people can be tempted to think that somehow what is happening around us is outside of God's control 
or outside of God's awareness. Unbelievers like to ask us in times like this, well, where is God? If God is good, where is he? If God is so trustworthy, then why are things going so poorly? And why are you, even Christians who follow him, why are you experiencing the same trouble that us unbelievers are experiencing? It's very tempting for us to consider some of those arguments at times. Because we, as First Peter here tells us, we are those who have not seen Christ with our physical eyes And we could add, we have not heard Christ with our physical ears. And yet, though we do not see him, beloved, we love him. And we, uh, don't, even though we don't see him, we believe him, and we, we, we rejoice. How can we rejoice as God's people? And what answers do we have for those who want to tell us that situations like this are evidence that either God is not around or that God is incapacitated to do anything about things or that God doesn't care or worst of all, that there just isn't a God? Well, beloved, the first thing that we are to remember as God's people that our faith is rooted in this person and work of Jesus Christ, where his love and his presence came together, not in coming to this world as a conquering hero, but as his coming into this world was manifest by humility, by poverty, by being born into a family that had no power and no prestige. He was one that was born in the form of man, and he was born in the humility of a servant, and he served even to the point of death, even death on a cross, a Roman cross that was reserved for the worst of criminals as a way not only uh, to punish the criminal and not only as a way to deter crime, among the community, but it was designed to embarrass. It was designed to openly mock. It was designed as, as a, a penalty, beloved, that, that meant to just open up the one who was on it to shame. This is what Jesus came to be, and to do. He did not come as a victorious conquering king in the outward sense. He didn't come with riches and splendor. He didn't enter this world receiving praise and adulation. He came in and he suffered and he took his, he took our sin upon himself on the cross. What do we say to those who want to tempt us to think that situations like this are evidence that God doesn't care or that God isn't around? We direct them to this mission of Jesus Christ in taking on flesh in order to suffer. 
and in order to die. But even more so, to suffer and die in order to redeem suffering and death. What Jesus Christ has done through his suffering and what Jesus Christ accomplished through his death and what Jesus Christ was was able to effect through his resurrection from the grave is that suffering and death no longer are meaningless. Suffering and death are no longer final and ultimate. That suffering and death become a pathway by which new life is entered into through resurrection. And so we have as God's people not just a a hope and a prayer or a wish fulfillment in which we are just hoping and clinging to, to something better coming. No, beloved, what we have is a living hope because Jesus Christ is our hope. His resurrection has overcome sin and death. And so sin and death no longer have a sting for those who are in Christ. Beloved, your hope as a Christian is a living hope because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Your hope is a living Christ because Jesus lives and reigns right now at the right hand of the Father on high. Beloved, you have a living hope because right now Jesus continues to minister as one who passed through death and was raised from the grave in order to provide righteousness and an eternal inheritance to those who would but simply repent of their sins and embrace him by faith, and by faith alone. Jesus Christ has caused us to be born again because he was born out of death. And beloved, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you do so because you have been born from the dead. You have been brought out of death and into life. And as one now alive, you cling to Jesus Christ and all of his benefits by faith. Beloved, we present to the world not simply a set of ethics where we call people to believe in God so that they'll do the right thing. Beloved, what we present to this world is a living hope where we call people to embrace the love of God that was demonstrated to enemies in which his care can no longer be questioned because he cares so much that he sent his son to experience the very problems that you and I struggle with. Except he struggled it to the nth degree because he received all of our struggles when they were imputed to him on the cross. Beloved, we can trust that God is not only present, but that he is loving and he cares for us during this time because Jesus Christ was born again and in him we have a living hope. But another thing that this helps us and encourages us us with, beloved, is that often when people are challenging us about the goodness of God, when they are challenging us about God's presence and whether he can be trusted in times like this, what is really going on is they, they are challenging 
us because they themselves are experiencing their hope being ripped away. They are experiencing the reality of not having a true hope. They have put their hope in things that are perishable. They have put their hope in things that can be defiled. They have put their hope in things that are fading and we know are going to pass away. They are experiencing a greater trial and a greater test for them. And the things that they have been clinging to that give them security and comfort and purpose in this world, they feel the acute awareness that those things cannot provide what they have promised. And so what's really going on when they challenge us about God's presence, his goodness, his love, is he caring in times like this? What they're really wrestling with is that they feel foundationless in their daily lives. They feel like things have been ripped out from underneath them. Beloved, it's not that things have been ripped out from underneath them. It's that they were trying to get secure footing in quicksand. And yet the hope of the gospel, the living hope that we receive as God's people, is that We do not have to live for an earthly reality. We don't have to give ourselves uh, and and create a purpose for ourselves in this world. And we don't have to give ourselves to things that are perishable, defiled, and fading. We don't give ourselves and look uh, for the love that we desire in things that can't give it. We don't look for the love that we feel the need for in the depths of our hearts from people who are fallen just like us. We don't put our hope in things like money that can be here today and gone tomorrow. We don't put our hope in things like our vocational callings, trying to impress our bosses and move up the ladder of success. Because we know that something can happen, anything can happen that can thwart those plans and those desires. Beloved, what we are experiencing right now with COVID-19 is nothing less than that. That every, everything that we were tempted to put our ultimate hope in, everything that we were tempted to cling to as being normal, normal, something that we could always count on, something that was always there for us to pursue. And even as believers, something that was there that could distract us from our real calling and our real purpose. Beloved, what we are experiencing right now and what the world is experiencing right now is not something that's new, but something that was always the case. Those things could never give what they promised. They were making bold claims that could never be realized. And instead, what we are experiencing right now is what is most true. What we are experiencing right now, in a sense, is what we should always experience as sinners living in a broken world. The fact that we don't experience this all the time is evidence that God's goodness is still experienced in a fallen world. And that God's goodness is experienced 
even by those who hate him and deny his existence. And yet we are experiencing these realities right now as a reminder to us and as a presentation to the world that these things that we have been trusting, these things that we have been seeking, these things that we have been selling our souls for, that they cannot produce what they promise. They are perishable. They are defiled. They are fading. And yet what we have in Jesus Christ is just the opposite. We have an internal, an, an inheritance that is eternal. We have an inheritance that never perishes. We have an inheritance that cannot be defiled. And we have an, inher- an inheritance that does not fade away. Now, before we get to what that inheritance is, listen to what it says here at the end of 4 and, in, and going into verse 5. This inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ is something that you can never lose because you never attained it for yourself. And so it is an inheritance that is given to you. And not only is it given to you, beloved, we are told it's kept for you. Your inheritance in Christ is something that he earned. And it's something that he gives. It's something that he keeps. The earthly realities and the earthly purposes that we, that we look to for our hope, those things can be lost. But beloved, your eternal inheritance is kept for you. But not only is your inheritance kept for you, notice verse 5, you are kept for it. Now in the Greek where it says here at the end of 4, where the inheritance is kept for you and you are being guarded through faith, those, the Greek words uh, there behind those words, kept and guarded, it's the exact same word. For some reason, English translators don't like to repeat the same word over and over because to them, then it, the, the text reads in a clunky fashion. But make no mistake, your inheritance is kept for you, and you are being kept for it. And how are you being kept for it? By God's power. And so you have this eternal inheritance. It's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. It's kept for you. You are kept for it. And so lastly, what is this inheritance? Well, there's a lot of words that we see here in this text. But what we are told here is that this inheritance that's kept for us and we're kept for it, it's something that's going to be, at the end of verse 5, it's going to be revealed in the last time. And because it's going to be revealed, we rejoice, even though right now we suffer. And so the Christian, the Christian walk, the Christian life, in between the two comings of Jesus Christ, what we are told, is a simultaneous experience of suffering as well as joy. It is a simultaneous experience of humiliation as well as exaltation. We do not experience only one or the other. We experience both. And what we are looking to then, beloved, is we're looking to that time when our life will no longer be characterized by both suffering and joy, but will only 
be characterized by joy. So right now, we're being tested. And the, and the purpose is to cause our, our faith to mature, to grow. God didn't leave Peter where Peter was in his depression following his denials. But instead, Jesus Christ restored him and encouraged him and filled him with his spirit. And Peter became bold, preaching to the people that he had been scared of in Acts chapter 2, that Jesus was the Christ, that you put him to death, but God is the one who had a purpose for that and has raised him from the dead. The one who was scared of a little girl became bold in the face of thousands. God never leaves us where we are in our faith, but he causes us to grow and he causes us to mature and he does this through testing. And so our faith is being tested so that we can grow and mature, that we can get stronger, and so that we can keep going so that we can receive our promised inheritance. But once again, we come back to that. What is this inheritance? Well, we are told here at the end of this passage, or here at the end of 7, that the testing of our faith causing our faith to become more pure, causing it to become more strong, causing it to become more consistent, which leads to more maturity. The purposes for this is so that we, in our faith, might result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now let that sit upon you. It is so easy to read these words and think that what it is promoting here is that we need to just hold on so that at the end when Christ is revealed, then we will get to praise him and we'll get to glorify him and we'll get to honor him. And, but that's not what's being said here. Now this is mind-boggling. But the inheritance that you and I have in Jesus Christ is an inheritance that is often referred to, not, or, or it's an inheritance that it doesn't, it's not about streets of gold and mansions and all that kind of stuff. It's what the, that kind of stuff represents. Beloved, our inheritance that is kept for us and we're being kept for it is an inheritance in which we receive an eternity of living under the perfect smiling vindication of our heavenly father in Jesus Christ. To put it another way, when Christ was raised from the dead, and then when he ascended back to the heavenly places, he ascended back to his heavenly Father, receiving him with open arms and a giant smile as he was 1,000% pleased with his Son. And what you and I are looking forward to, beloved, is entering into the, full, into the fullness of that eternal acceptance and love and, and that smile 
that the Father has for the Son. The reason that our hope is living and it can't be and it can't perish and it can't be defiled and it can't fade away is because our eternal inheritance is the smiling face of God himself living in the fullness of his love living in the fullness of his glory living in the fullness of his excitement about being our God now we don't have time but this evening, I would encourage you, read from Zephaniah chapter 3 and read about the excitement that God is described in having because he has finally brought all things to their appointed end and that his people now receive the fullness of salvation, vindication from their enemies, and they enter into the fullness of his smile where he is described as being excited. He is described as singing over us. Beloved, this is our eternal inheritance, that Jesus Christ being raised from the dead was received back to his smiling father who was excited to see his son. And beloved, that is what you and I now have because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Beloved, this is the hope that we are to give to people. This is the hope with which we are to live in this world. This is the hope that leads us to have courage to press forward in uncertain times like today and to be willing to look into ourselves and to be willing to consider maybe we needed to experience this time so that we could get our hearts off of the perishable, defiled, fading things of this world and get them set in a more... Um, special devotion onto the eternal inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, beloved, to this day, as it is a day of resurrection, it is not merely special because Jesus was raised from the dead in history. Beloved, it is special because it has forever changed your history and it has forever changed who you are and what you have and what you live for and therefore what you embody in this world. Beloved, don't look to the trinkets that are rusting and decaying, but instead live under the smile of your Savior and go forth in this world living to such a degree of hope that the people around you will ask you for the reason for that hope. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what an amazing reality that you love us this way and that you give yourself to us this way and that you have given to us the promise of not only justification and sanctification, but you have given us the promise of glorification and vindication. And so, Lord, help us to live for your glory now in light of the eternal possession that we already have of that glory as we wait for the fullness of it to be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ. Bless, uh, bless us 
we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to spend a few moments in prayer this evening as we, as the people of a living hope, ask the Lord for his help to be near us as we strive to live out that hope in this difficult world. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray for your people here at Grace Covenant Church. We thank you for the immeasurable blessing of being redeemed in Christ, having our suffering redeemed, having our deaths redeemed, having an eternal purpose now to continue to rest and receive on Jesus Christ as he has offered to us in the gospel. And so use the resurrection of our Savior, O God, this evening to motivate us to a deeper devotion that the full power of the resurrection as it is at work within us through your spirit would guide us into greater devotion, into greater holiness, into greater love, into greater service, that we would take up the cross and die to the things of this world in order that we might be made alive to the world to come and therefore embody that world to those who are dying and those who are struggling with the meaninglessness of their lives because they continue to look for their hope in things that are passing away. Father, we pray for all ministries and missionaries around your world that they too would embody this gospel in everything that they do as they preach your word, as they make disciples, as they pray, and as they administer your sacraments, and as they provide for the poor as they seek to take care of this world, as they strive to be faithful neighbors to those who need hope, as they strive to do all things for your glory. Lord, we pray that you would bless their efforts and that you would make them effectual to calling people out of darkness and into the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray for the sick this evening, Lord. We ask that you, once again, we ask that you would bring this disease uh, to, to its end, that you would cause not only the curve to flatten, Lord, but that you would give um, wisdom to scientists as they are looking for vaccines. Father, we do thank you for the wake-up call that this has been, getting our, our, our hearts off of the distractions and set once again on our meaning and purpose as your people. But we pray for those who don't know you and ask that you would grant them uh, health and, and safety during this dangerous time. Father, we pray for the medical personnel that are taking care of people and ask that you would keep them strong, that you would provide for their daily needs, that the, the equipment that they need for their own personal safety uh, would be provided uh, and they would have what they need in order that they could keep taking care of those who were created in your image. Father, give them strength and help them not to grow weary. Help them to see the good that is being accomplished. And yet, Lord, may they, through these things, look for a greater hope than just simply getting over a disease, but to look for a hope of eternal life. 
We pray for the governing officials and ask that you would grant them wisdom. We ask that you would help them uh, not to be self-serving during this time, that they would not be focused on the next election, that they would not be focused on who can get the best soundbite in, but that they would work together in, in order to promote the good as you have ca called them and put them in positions of power to accomplish. Father, we pray that they too would find that they are powerless, that they are powerless in the face of this situation and help them to come to the end of themselves so that they would look to Jesus Christ and find their hope there and then seek to be um, tools of, of eternal things and, etern and, and eternal good within this life. Father, we pray for those who are suffering emotionally and psychologically from social distancing, and we pray and ask you to make your presence known to them. Help them uh, to get phone calls, Lord, um, and to uh, receive uh, visits if possible. Lord, help them to, to you know, connect with people during this time, and through that, that, those connections, help them to connect more deeply with you. For those who don't know you, Lord, and who are struggling with the isolation, use it to call them to yourself, that as you have taken away the distractions that they use uh, to keep themselves from asking uh, real questions about ultimate things, Lord, let the silence around them at this time lead them to finally ask those questions and to find the answers, either through your word um, through them reading the Bible for themselves or them coming across a podcast or a live stream. Lord, get them where they need to be to hear what they need to hear. Lord, we pray also for those who are struggling um, with stress, struggling, who, who naturally struggle with stress, Lord, and find themselves even more tempted right now to take out their stress in violent and abusive ways on those around them. Lord, humble them and help them uh, as they experience these difficult times to cry out to you for help. And Lord, protect the wives and the children that live in situations where they are uh, threatened by violence. Lord, protect them and provide them what they need during this time. Find ways, Lord, for the government uh, that already uh, takes, helps to take care of these situations, uh, to provide them ways, Lord, of, of looking into situations so that things do not um, spiral out of control and find ways for your church and for your people, either by way of being neighbors or family or something, Lord. To, become, to be aware of things that are happening so that we can step in and try to be a voice of hope and love um, and to help provide protections for those who need it. But Lord, we pray all of these things in the hope, the living hope of Jesus Christ, that in his resurrection he continues to minister and that he continues, Lord, to pray before you and, and that our prayers are subsumed within his. And so as we uh, pray this evening, Lord, we pray and ask all these things according to that prayer 
that your, sa- that your son, our Savior, taught us to pray when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, beloved, as we come to the end of our service this evening, as we have been doing uh, for these past several weeks, we've been renewed in the gospel. We've been encouraged to embrace that gospel afresh in order to embody that gospel and take that, that gospel into the, the people and the world around us as we are able within continuing to practice social distancing. And so we are going to once again be renewed in our confession of faith. And I have put together a confession of faith this evening that is a combination for us of uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7, and Colossians 1, 15 through 20. This is a scriptural confession of faith. Uh, please confess your faith along with me this evening. This is the good news that we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Christ died for our sins, was buried, was raised on the third day, and appeared first to the women, then to Peter and the twelve, and then to many faithful witnesses. We believe Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one of God, the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn from the dead, in whom all things hold together, in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell by the power of the Spirit. Christ is the head of the body, the church, and by the blood of the cross reconciles all things to God. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, this evening, uh, as we bring our service to a close, we're going to listen to a song. uh, And once again, the words are printed for you there with the song so that you can feel free to sing along uh, and to uh, sing and give expression to your faith this evening um, for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. For as we know, in Jesus Christ, our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Face, I rest on his arm. 
of Jesus Christ, the one who lives and reigns on high, the one who provides everything that we need forevermore. Well, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, in a world without end. Alleluia. Amen. As you go forth this week to live um, as those who have a living hope in Jesus Christ, to be a blessing to your family and to be a blessing to your, your neighbors. Go forth with God's blessing. Receive it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And all God's people said, Amen. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us this evening uh, at our service uh, here at Grace Covenant Church. Uh, continue to pray for us as we continue to uh, find ways to serve God and to serve you during this time. Continue to pray for the elders and for the deacons as it is our desire uh, to make the most of this opportunity, redeeming the time as those who have an eternal inheritance and living hope in Christ Jesus. As you go forth, go forth, as we have said, in the hope of Christ. May the peace of Christ be with you all.